people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. That is a quote by Maya Angelou. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 57. Before I get into the details for this week's episode, I would like to remind you that my book, the first one ever, From a Mess to Amazing, will launch on January 7th, 2020. So it's going to kick your new year off. Currently, it is available, the Kindle version is available on Amazon for pre-order, which will release on December 1st. So you'll be able to get the Kindle version sooner than the paperback version. So that's a little leg up just if you wanted to get a sneak peek before everyone else is out and gets their book. Also, to let you know, I am working on a um, live coaching course. Um, It's going to be called the Intentional Life Blueprint. And if you're one of those people who are looking for intention in your life and wondering if there's more to what you've been living, the course is for you. Now on to this week's episode. The topic for this week is called, Is Your Brand Consistent? My guest for this week is Lauren Clement. Lauren is an international award-winning personal branding stylist. At eight years old, Lauren was told she had word blindness and would never be able to read or write properly Yet she went on to become a five-time best-selling author and international award-winning neural branding expert using her dyslexia disability as her greatest asset, helping entrepreneurs understand how the brain sees brands. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Trina Talk. It's awesome to be here, Trina. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to have you. We have been communicating for a while now. Um, you're over in Australia. I'm in Houston, Texas. And surprisingly, Australia doesn't seem so far away for the last few months because I have been speaking to a lot of people from Australia. You guys are such amazing, great people. Um, isn't, it, isn't it awesome, Trina, that we can connect with people all over the world so easily today and we've never met but I already feel like I know you which is just lovely I know that's what I was going to say same here and just think about this like 20 years ago we would have never been able to do this no no wouldn't even wouldn't have even known each other existed which is so interesting isn't it what a great world we live in oh um, yes amazing so let's go on and dive into you tell me who Lauren is well, I'm actually a Kiwi. I'm from New Zealand. Oh. So I'm, I've moved islands. I've moved from the North Island of New Zealand over to what I call the West Island, which is Australia. And I only say that because I, I love to do that to wind up my Australian friends. Uh, we love living here, though. We move for the weather. 
Um, we lived in, in Windy Wellington, which is the capital city of New Zealand. And uh, we used to remember the good days because they didn't happen that all that often. Um, and now we live in a, in a country where I heard on the radio this morning we might get some rain next week. They're predicting somewhere between one to four millimetres of rain. So uh, so not a lot of rain <laughs> in this country where we are, which is lovely. Lots of blue sky days. So very, very happy to be here. But yes, I'm a personal branding specialist. I've worked in advertising for over 25 years. Um, I work with people all over the world who want to create a personal brand that stands out, helping them to really define who they are and what they do, helping them to become a, a best-selling author, to win international awards and, uh, and to get their brand out there so that they attract the people they want to work with. So I love what I do. Um, I also happen to be a very keen sailor. Um, I go out every week and do race sailing on a number of different yachts, not mine. They're other people's boats because they're far too expensive. <laughs> um, and I just love the board as a crew member. Um, and I thought you'd like that one, Trina, because <clears throat> of your seafaring ways yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've got a lovely family, 18-year-old um, daughter who we fondly call the trash panda <laughs> because I think she's worn a path in the carpet from her bedroom to the kitchen. Um, and, yeah, just absolutely loving life and working with some amazing people. Wow. So uh, personal brands, right? It just, and I'm, I'm all about the branding and marketing, which I'm starting to do more of myself because mm. I have a book that's now going to editing. And so I'm, I'm doing all of that. But tell me, how did you get interested in that? Has this always been something you want to do? Did you go to the university for it? How did you actually get into personal branding? That's a really interesting question. Oh, actually, I looked at going to university and getting a degree in personal branding. It was actually in neurobranding, which is the specific niche that I'm in. And neurobranding is understanding how the brain sees brands. And I got in touch with an amazing guy. He's like the guru in this in this area. A guy called Peter Stahl. He lives in um, in Europe. And I had a chat to him. We've had some lovely conversations. And I said to him, do you think I could go to a university to study this? Because I feel like I need to have a qualification. And he came back and said to me, look, you know more about neurobranding because of your 25 years working in advertising and branding and brand management than half the lecturers would be able to tell you. And you'd have to unlearn all the stuff you know anyway. So he said, I wouldn't bother. He said, just get out there and do it. And um, and so that's what I did. I took his advice. But Trina, I've been interested in how human beings make decisions and specifically purchase decisions for a long time. I loved studying consumer behavior. I did do, um, obviously, university training in graphic design and advanced marketing management. And I worked in some top advertising agencies for years. I mean, we're talking Saatchi and Saatchi and Ogilvy's and Clemingers, some pretty big named um, world-leading advertising agencies. And I got to experience those, which was great. But what I always was really, really intrigued by was why does this ad work and that one doesn't? Why does this particular jingle from an advert or a radio um, advert, people are singing it 20, 30 years later down the track, why is that? Um, you know, and I remember I heard from a one of my mentors years ago um, and he was a television product, product producer in Saatchi's and he said to me, you know, if you can get people humming the advert, then you're on to a winner. 
because you've got it. You're in their brains. Um, so I've always been fascinated by that. And when I moved from New Zealand to Australia about 10 years ago, I closed my advertising agency in New Zealand and I was looking at something new and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I looked at where I would find my skills would be the most use and the most value to people. And it ended up being branding people who provide services because product branding and and marketing is relatively easy compared to branding and marketing a service. When you've got a product, you've got something tangible. You can say, here's my new gadget or my new fabulous lounge suite or my new bicycle or whatever it is. Try it out. This is what it does. There's lots of features and benefits. You can paint the picture behind that brand really, really easily. When you're selling a service, when you're a yoga instructor or a chiropractor or an accountant or a lawyer or a real estate agent, it's so much harder to explain why someone should choose you. And that's where the neurobranding came in. And it's just been so successful in the last 10 years. I've had some amazing clients and their success has been just incredible because they've figured out then they've figured out their niche, they've figured out what is all about why someone should choose them. And then they've been able to package it as a brand and just be so consistent with their messaging. And it's awesome. I love it. Wow. And I'm I'm very intrigued with it myself because like I said, that's something that I'm I'm doing now as well. Like this it started with this podcast. Now it's the book and I'm doing courses and speaking. So all of that is my brand. And every day I'm thinking about, okay, is this in line with my brand and who I am? Yeah. So yeah. And consistent consistency is the key, Trina. You've got you've got it absolutely nailed it on the head. If you look at the big brands that we know and love, they've remained the same for so many. I mean, the Coca Cola brand is so old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, McDonald's, all these brands that we know, they've been around for so long, and they just continue to have the same. It's boring, I know, but it gets into your brain. And the funniest thing about the human brain is we're actually pretty apathetic and we don't like to work too hard so if you can remember the last time you went to the the supermarket or you went and did some shopping and you were choosing to put into your shopping cart you weren't probably even thinking about reading the packaging you were just yep there's the yellow box that I buy or the blue this or the green cereal or the orange washing detergent or whatever it is you were just choosing based on your normal habits. And you know what it's like when either a brand changes its colour or it changes its packaging or worse, the supermarket moves it around <laughs> and puts it somewhere else on a different shelf um, and you have to work hard and you don't like it. So it's that about the basic, the foundations of neurobranding. It's making it easy for people to recognise you and to remember you and to select you when they need you. You know, I laugh because you're absolutely correct. I mean, I have done that. I think just last week when I was in the supermarket, I was looking for something and walked past it several times because they had changed their packaging. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, where is it? Or if I go to another uh, store, another supermarket, and it's set up differently than the one that I'm used to going to. And I'm going, well, at my store is in this aisle. If it's not there, I get... Yeah, so it's it's so funny how that works. But when you mention the big um, companies that we remember, Coca-Cola was what immediately popped in my mind and you said it. 
what yeah. what makes a brand like Coca-Cola that's probably what 50, 60 years old, what makes them stand out? Because I mean, other than their their red and white can, I don't I don't know anything else that would just make me know that that's Coca-Cola. Well, it's interesting. Um, I just went to the movies recently and I watched the film yesterday. I don't know whether you've seen it yet. Mm -mm. It's the story of the world without the Beatles, which is quite fun, but it's also a world without Coke. And um, this guy asks for a Coke and people look at him weird and they give him a Pepsi um, because Coke doesn't exist. And it's just a really intriguing storyline that if those brands didn't exist in our lives, what would we do? Um, the, The real story behind the brand with Coke, and this is with every brand, it's not just how they look. Yes, the colors play a huge part in it. Um, red's an action colour, it's a passionate colour, it's the colour of love and lust and passion and all those sorts of things. Um, But more importantly, it's how the brand makes you feel. And Coke was the first brand to really come out as a social brand. So years and years ago, if you remember, um, there was a a commercial they they had with a song that said, I'd like to teach the world Mm -hmm. to sing. And it had a large group of people. They were ethnically diverse. They were all holding hands. It was in a time of the world where there was a lot of war and mm-hmm. tension going on. Um, and Coke really took it on themselves to say, right, we want to be the social drink of choice. So if you didn't want an alcoholic beverage, what would you reach for? And they wanted it to be Coke. So when you drink Coke, you don't drink Coke because you're thirsty. You drink it because it's socially acceptable, because you want to be cool, because you want to be around mates, because you want to be around your friends, because you want to have a good time and not necessarily drunk unless you're going to put some JB in it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's how a brand makes you feel. And it's one of the first questions I ask people is what's the number one emotion that you want to create with your brand? How do you want to make people feel? Um, when they've interacted with your brand, whether that's going to your website, reading your book, meeting you in person, anything, how do you want to make them feel? Our our purchase decisions are really based on emotion. Mm. Um, and it's funny because there's so much these days put into the, the the value of data and, you know, the, the algorithms and all the other things. And they're awesome and they make it so easy for us to target the right people. But unless you know how to connect and engage with people's hearts as well as, you know, their minds and their wallets, you're really not going to create a brand that people are going to remember particularly well. Mm, that That is so, so true. And, and as you're speaking, I'm just remembering like that Coke commercial. I remember it distinctly. And, <laughs> and I, I think I can sing it word for word now from the first time I saw it to now. The only reason I didn't sing it is I can't sing very well, Trina, and I'm not going to hurt your audience's ears. Well, I can't either, so that's why I'm just verbally telling you because you you don't want me to either. (laughs) (laughs) But I think about Coke, I think about, and another one I think about is De Beers, De Beers Diamonds. Yes. And I I think about that in particular because when I was – um, doing my MBA thesis, I did it on diamonds and the beers and the cartel, but how they, mm. their marketing arm was um, diamonds are forever. Now yes. they've changed it because, you know, they've had to get back into the U.S. market and things like that and all the mm. controversy about, you know, the blood diamonds. But whenever I see the beers, I always think about 
a diamond is forever. I don't care what they changed their slogan to. That's always the <laughs> slogan that I'm going to remember them by. So yep. why, how does that happen? How does that stick into someone's mind for years? How is it that someone can brand? And I guess that's probably excellent branding because that's what you remember about that brand. How does that work? Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting um, question, Trina. If we take this right back to caveman days, because let's face it, our brains are quite complex things, but in reality, they haven't changed a lot. They haven't evolved a lot. And there, there might be certain things that might have changed with our reflexes and computers and gaming and all sorts of things that are changing the way we operate. But our brains have a fear center called the amygdala. And it's what Seth Godin calls our lizard brain. And it's the first part of our brain that either, it's like a little filter that says, um, yes, this is important. Don't even think about that. Um, and don't worry about that. I've got that in my long-term memory and so on. And it just filters things through. Back in the 1970s, our brains were being hit with about 500 branded messages a day. Today, it's closer to 5,000. So this amygdala is getting quite overwhelmed and overpowered. And again, if you go back to those caveman days, the way that people used to share information and retell and recall and repeat stories so that they knew where the best hunting grounds were, where the, the berries were the best or which tree not to go near because that was poisonous or, you know, the stories of their ancestors and the stars and so on. They sat around campfires and they sat in caves and they told stories and they sang songs. And the human brain loves a story and it loves the musical flow of a story as well. That's why we can remember jingles and, and sing songs um, years and years later is because it's a, a natural way that our brain deals with the data and it creates meaning through that amygdala into the hippocampus and the other parts of our brains that store memory. And it's so much easier for it to recall. You know this. Um, we all sang the ABC song with Sesame Street. Um, you know, we all know how to count. To, I can probably count to 10 in about four different languages. But if you asked me how much something was or to work out something mathematically in that language, that would be more of a struggle because I actually just learnt by rote how to count from one to ten in Japanese, but I wouldn't know how to say a number unless I sat down and thought about it. So your brain likes patterns, it likes rhythm, it likes repetition, um, and that's the in reality that's how the advertising agencies worked it so many years ago. We've all watched Mad Men and all the rest of it, and it's true. You've got to come up with something that is going to stick in people's brains and it's to do with rhythm and repetition and um, all those other really clever ways of just repeating a sound. Um, we all know Nike's tagline, you know, it's so short, it's so easy to remember um, and it's got meaning. So yeah, that's, once you understand how the brain operates, Trina, it actually becomes quite easy to not only develop great marketing and great branding, but also to know which one's going to work. Mm. Now, since you do personal branding, and we we've been talking to, uh, like about the major commercial branding, what type mm. of things do you tell people when you are helping them brand their, you know, themselves and their personal businesses, and is an individual and not a big corporation? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I normally start with people and the basics of it. If anyone listening today is going, right, I need to look into this personal branding stuff. There's something I use called the three R's of personal branding, and that's recognition, reputation, and respect. So the first one, recognition, is all about how do you want to be recognized in the marketplace? And that is down to your tone of voice, um, whether you wear a particular color. In a lot of my marketing, I wear red, for example. I know people who wear purple. I know guys who wear particular ties or hats. Or I'm not a, a, a wardrobe specialist, but if someone can choose a particular way that they'd like to appear. Um, it might be a, a sound. I know um, when you talk about people's voices, um, Stephen Hawking's, for example, had a personal brand with his voice that wasn't even his own voice. It was a computer voice. But you recognize him straight away. Um, is there a look? So Richard Branson's got a particular look about him. There's a way that he conducts himself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this whole thing about him being part of a bigger team. Um, and the fact he was dyslexic and he's an entrepreneur, everybody knows his story. So so really think about how you want to be recognized in the marketplace. And if you look at the other big personal brands that are out there, the celebrity brands like the Oprah's and the Steve Jobs, he always wore the jeans and the black turtleneck, you know, so... Really think about what are you going to have as your recognition factor. And that comes right down to what your website looks like, what your social media is, what sort of content you post, who's on the cover of your book. And I've got to be honest with you, when I first printed my book and published my book back in 2014, I wasn't on the cover. Um, and somebody said straight away, you're a personal branding expert. Why aren't you on your cover? And I went, oh, yeah, probably a good point. So we all make mistakes, but um, it's all about learning and, and improving as we go. So, yeah, think about your recognition factor. Because when you show up, whether that's in person, on a podcast, when you're speaking, when you're running a webinar or running a workshop, whatever you're doing, you need to have that consistency. So don't fake it till you make it. Don't try and come up with something that doesn't mean anything. Go, oh, well, no one wears blue. I'll wear blue or whatever. Choose something that makes sense to your brand and to who you are. But really create that recognition factor. The next one is reputation. So um, the lovely um, Jeff Bezos from Amazon calls this your reputation factor, what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm. So what do you want people to say about you? Um, I know I was once introduced to speak at an event and um, I hadn't given the person my bio, which is a really bad thing to do. That's a big tip for everybody. Never speak unless you've given the person your bio to introduce you properly. Um, And she basically said, Lauren dabbles in business. And I'm going, I've never dabbled in anything in my life. I'm 120% full out when I do anything. Um, and everyone who knows me knows that. So it just, it really grinded with me. And I went, oh, that's really bad. And it taught me a lesson. Make sure you've got your bio handy and make sure you share how you want the world to see you. Put it in your bio, put it on the back of your book, put it on your about page. Make sure that when you're talking with people, you're introducing yourself in a way that they can recall and remember you. And in my book, I've got a neuro branding formula for a elevator pitch. And it's based on how the brain wants that information, who you are, what you do, who you help, and why I should choose you um, with some sentence starters and things to help you get that right. But if you can repeat that enough times that when somebody refers you, and let's face it, Trina, when you're working for your own business, especially selling services, 
if you haven't got word of mouth marketing working, you're really struggling. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't have a big budget, a lot of people don't have these massive advertising budgets to do these incredible campaigns and everything else. You need to really get all the free advertising you can, you can grab. And referral marketing is fantastic. So that's, that's your reputation. And that comes down to what you post on social media, what's on your blog, all those other things as well. And then the last one's respect. And respect is all about turning up and doing what you say you're going to do, um, you know, over-delivering. But more importantly, Trina, the number one thing with respect is finding your niche. And you probably know what it's like, Trina, if you've met somebody and they introduce themselves and they say, oh, I do a bit of this and a bit of that and I've also got this other business over here and here's my two business cards. Mm -hmm. You just, you don't trust them as much. You're not quite sure, you know, they're like hedging their bets on what they're going to be good at. So you've really got to create that respect factor by being the number one at what you do. And people want you to be the specialist, not the generalist. They want to know that they're dealing with somebody who is absolutely brilliant at what they do. Mm -hmm. So those are the three steps, Trina. The three R's, it's pretty simple. And it makes such good sense. I'm and as you were going through them, I was taking mental note and see and you know remembering. I'm like, okay, yep, I do this for that and that and that. So just making sure I, I'm in align myself with the correct way to brand. Uh, Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's so amazing to me. And and like you said, and I'm no brand specialist, but um, I have had people introduce themselves to me and you're right. And when they're going, yeah, I, I sew and I do this and I do that. And, and I just kind of go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And I end up walking away from that person because <laughs> I'm confused. I've actually, I got um, given a business card once Trina and it was, um, the company was called cheap man and Ute hire. Now for Americans, a Ute is a pickup truck. <laughs> So he had, he had a pickup truck and he would do all these things. And he had on his card listed things like he could take you down to the doctors if you needed a lift. Um, he could take your 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 clippings away from when you, you mowed your lawn. Um, he would do landscape gardening for you. He also had a, a bouncy castle you could hire. He was a DJ. He did Elvis impersonations. It's just this whole long list of stuff that he did. Um, and I use it often. <laughs> when I do presentations, just to point out, you know, he's open 24 hours a day, he calls himself cheap, and you really wouldn't trust him to do anything particularly well. But what if he sat down and went, okay, I'm just going to mow lawns dressed as Elvis. Mm. I would pay to see that, and I don't even have a lawn. <laughs> you know, he could have a whole franchise business going on. He'd have Marilyn Monroe doing your dishes for you, and <laughs> James Dean cleaning your car. You know, that would be awesome. But no, he's wanting to be everything to everyone. There's a saying in New Zealand, you can't help every Mary in the dairy, mm. um, which is quite fun. And uh, it's absolutely true with personal branding. But Trina, I've spotted a flaw. Well, I don't know if it's a flaw. I think it's very clever, actually, in your podcast. I've figured out why you do this. Now, you do this just to get tips to work on your own brand, don't you? <laughs> Not exactly, no. <laughs> I love it. It's the best way to grow your own business is run a podcast. And yet all these experts coming and giving you tips is brilliant. Exactly. It's, it's free, free, you know, help. <laughs> <laughs> free help. But no, I'm, yeah, it's just, it's amazing and interesting because marketing was something years ago that I was considering going into just for this, the reasons that you have gone over. 
Mm. because it it is it's it's a craft and you have to know what works for you you can't you can't just you know so we'll take coca-cola again if pepsi decided they wanted to do what coca-cola did they would not be successful and Mm. you can't please everyone so coca-cola of course has the diehard coca-cola people and then pepsi has their people but if they tried to mimic each other it wouldn't work yeah absolutely and we all know the disaster of new coke when they decided to change the flavor oh yeah so yeah absolutely right and it is interesting trina i don't know do you think it as well i think marketing is just getting harder and harder these days you know i think so and i think it's social media that may be making it so hard because when you look at social media and you can tell me whether you agree or not, everything looks so perfect and so mm-hmm. flawless. And I think with marketing and I, and I kind of find that with myself and I have to tell myself, okay, I'm not that person. I'm going to be Trina, but it seems like, you know, yeah, if social media, it's, it's like the utopia of the world. You only see the best of everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And it is interesting. You're probably right, Trina. The minute you post something real and you post, I've done this a couple of times and I've thought, "Mm, I'm not sure about sharing this online. And it's something that I've either thought about or something that's happened or, you know, just something that's gone on in my life. And I'm going, "Mm, I don't know if I should share this or it's a bit personal. Those are the posts that get so much interaction Mm -hmm. um, because people, I think, are starting to glaze over now with the perfectness of um, Instagram and all the filters you can use. And like you say, the big joke is all the YouTubers that have got this perfect background and you scan around the rest of their apartment, it's a complete trash mess. (laughs) But they've got this one corner that looks absolutely beautiful um, because that's what they want to show the world. I do think people are starting to question the authenticity of a lot of marketing that's going on and and they are so aware of celebrity endorsement and the fact that they know that they're getting paid to say that they use this product mm-hmm. or that they love this service or whatever. Um, but I think the, the more confusing thing for our brains is just the sheer amount of content. And you've got the likes of um, the lovely Gary V, who's amazing, mm-hmm. telling people, you're not creating enough content, you're not creating enough content. And it's like, well... But are we creating the sort of content that's engaging and relevant? And are we just creating content for the sake of it to get it out there? Or are we creating it with a strategy that we actually want people to stop and to absorb it and for it to transform them in some way so that it makes it a better life for them or a better world for them or it changes their opinion or I just think we're missing out at the moment. We have so many amazing channels. Like we said earlier, we can talk to each other between the Gold Coast in Australia and Houston and Texas. So easy now, completely free, you know, instantly on Zoom. And yet we've got all these channels and these abilities, but there's still so many causes that we could be really working on Mm -hmm. and change in the world that we could be really, really affecting and we're just failing to do it. We've got too many people posting videos of cats. <laughs> you know, create content, but create content that means something. Right, right. And you, and it's funny 
and I noticed this last week because every every week I try to do a video. And at first when I started doing it, it was horrifying for me. And I don't know why, because I'm not afraid to talk to people. I can get on stage and, and, and give a speech. But it was something about being on video that I was going, this is kind of weird. And especially when it's just you and you're just talking to a camera. But I said, you know what? I'm building my brand. I'm going to do it anyway. So I did a video, I think this week, and I did it. And it's better than the first one that I've done because I'm steadily <laughs> improving. But, you know, I ended up coughing in it and, you know, I stumbled over a couple words, but I found that I had more people to engage with that than some of the ones where I've done not live, but where I've actually recorded it. And I'm like, okay, no, I need it perfect. Oh, let me stop this and let me do. And I was, and I just took stock of that and I go, huh, really? So that really proved something to me that, yeah, everyone is not looking for that polish, um, like you're just stepped out of a movie studio type of thing. They want someone who's real. Yeah, I think the biggest confusion might be that, People aren't quite sure when to do the certain things that you're talking about. Definitely, if you are selling um, an online program and you've told people that it's going to be professional video tutorials and they're going to learn from these things and so on, then definitely you need to be creating a end-to-end, you know, 15, 10-minute lessons recorded well, edited well, engaging with Um, interactive worksheets, you need to be putting your effort into that if you're going to charge people for that sort of thing. If you're going to just go to Facebook Live and share a story or some insight or a tip or some tools that you think are going to be helpful, there's only two things you need to be concerned about with video. Um, One is sound. Uh, Make sure you have a good mic. I've got a Rode lapel mic that I use, but even you can use your headphones. I just suggest that you take them out of your ears and stuff them down your shirt or down your pocket of your shirt so that you've got the little mic just sitting there because there's nothing worse than watching a video and somebody's got these headphones in. It's confusing to the brain. It makes them makes the brain think that you're listening to something at the same time that you're talking um, and you're not quite sure what's going on. So it's just a bit unprofessional. So, but get your sound right and get your stand in the right way with the sun. So the sun's pointing at you, not coming from behind Mm -hmm. so that people can see you and see your face. So um, that to me is fit for purpose, if you like, Trina, is figuring out, okay, do I need to spend the time and effort on creating something absolutely as good as it can be? Or can this just be, look, I need to get it out there and it's the content that's more important than the quality of the delivery. And I think the biggest thing, and it's funny, it seems to happen more with women than with men, Trina, although I have come across some men as well who do this, we we spend too much time trying to make something perfect. Um, and we I've seen people, and it's disastrous, spending twenty or $30,000 to create an online program. And then they come to me and they say, right, I need to market this. And it's like, no, no, no. Why weren't you marketing this six months ago as you were building it? Mm. Oh, because it wasn't ready then. It's like, well, 
then you're doing it all the wrong way around. There's one of my clients who's a yoga instructor, Shan. She's amazing. And she came to me one day and she said, I want to do this 21-day program called Yoga for Breakfast. And I went, awesome, that sounds great. She said, um, it's one exercise that you do or one pose that you do. It's a little video and you play it at breakfast time so that when you're madly running around the house, um, this is targeted at mums, um, trying to get the kids ready for school and it's all a panic and there's chaos in the house. You can just stop for a moment and do a yoga pose with your kids and it just calms everything down and it's a great way to start the day. And I said, awesome. She said, how should I do this? I said, go out to your social media and offer it and say, I'm doing this course. It's 21 days yoga for breakfast. Who would like it? And get people interested in it first. And she said, but what about building it? I said, look, let's talk about building it later. You know yoga. You've been doing it for years. You've been doing yoga for breakfast with the kids since they were babies. Um, you know how to how to build it, how to, you know the content. Let's first of all find out, is there any interest in this? She had 200 people come back and say, yes, please. Hmm. And then she rang me and said, what do I do now? And I said, right now you build it. And in reality, if you've watched that movie, um, Catch Me If You Can with good old um, Leonardo DiCaprio, he was at one stage a lecturer at a university, it was his character, lectured at a university teaching brain surgery and they asked him how on earth did you get away with faking the fact that you were a brain surgeon and you were lecturing and teaching people how to do it and he said I was just on the chapter before them Mm. I just read ahead an extra chapter before they had so that was the same thing with Shan all she had to do was video and create herself doing a, a pose and send it off and do it the next day ready for the next one just be one step ahead and build it as you go. It doesn't need to be perfect. You need to get out there with your brand and your amazing skills and talents and share them with the world and then figure out how you package them and deliver them. Don't, for goodness sake, don't spend too much time and effort and money trying to build something and perfect it before you've gone out to the marketplace and asked them if they want it. Wow. So, Lauren, you've given us all these great tips with for marketing. What's what? Tell us about what you like to do for fun. Now we know what you do for business. What are you doing for fun? <laughs> well, I get to work with some really cool people. I've actually got a business partner um, with the Audacious Agency that we've just launched this year, and she's a stand-up comedian. So, any time I get to spend with her is fantastic. Um, Annette and I have an absolute blast. Lots of jokes and lots of laughter and lots of silliness which is awesome um so i've got some awesome mates that i hang out with and and the the brand for australia if anyone really wanted to know what the the australian brand is it's mateship um everybody here talks about having great mates great friends great buddies so um so yeah lots of mates so i like hanging out with them um but sailing is one of my key passions i mean i've also played a bit of golf in the past and, and those sort of things but what i love about sailing is that it's very difficult when you're race sailing to um, get on a phone or a computer or, a, or or the internet or social media while you are trying to handle yourself on a 52-foot racing yacht. Um, so it, it makes me shut down those sorts of activities um, and it uses a completely different part of my brain for a couple of hours and it's just something I can throw myself into. It's very physical um, and I just love it. love being out on the water. Um, at the moment here in the Gold Coast, we've got lots of whales um, the whales do their their annual migration and there's something like 24,000 whales that go up the coast in June, July and they come back again with their babies um, in another month or so. 
Um, there's always dolphins and turtles and a couple of sharks and things like that. There's always something to see, uh, which is awesome. But it's just an awesome team event as well. I'm normally up on the bow trainer. I get lots of bruises um, jumping around up there. But I also go to the gym every day. I love F45. It's a great brand. I love the culture. Um, so I'm at the gym every day as well. And spending time with my family when I can mm-hmm. um, and, and getting out in the outdoors is just, um, yeah, we live in a fantastic place. We're very fortunate to be living here in, um, in the sunshine state of Australia, which is lovely. Now, what made you get into sailing? Um, I, now, this is a funny story because my dad actually taught sailing. He was a Sea Scout captain. Um, many years ago, I'm talking the 1960s, and he learnt to sail in Pool Harbour in England. It's yeah. the second biggest natural harbour in the world. And during the war, um, one of the islands, uh, it's called Brownie Island, it's where the Girl Guides and Scouts first began. Lord Baden-Powell and Lady Baden-Powell used to take the, the children out camping out to Brownsea Island. Um, during World War II, it was bombed um, because they wanted the bomb a place that was hardly anything rather than bombing the city. So they set the island on fire and the bombers dropped their bombs in the wrong place. So it's a really awesome history. And uh, so that's where my dad came from. And he came out to New Zealand. He worked for the Navy as an engineer um, and he sailed with the Sea Scouts. He never taught um, any of his three children how to sail. And it's funny, I asked him the other day, why didn't you teach us? And he said, I was just too busy. I was an engineering draftsman, the Sea Scouts, you know, brand new immigrant to a country. He said, we didn't get time to sail. <laughs> so he never taught me to sail. Um, but I did many years later, um, I did get onto a couple of um, tall ships in New Zealand. And then I moved to England for, actually I was in Europe for about five years in the 90s. And I got an opportunity to go sailing. And I was sailing on a little 23-footer around Pool Harbour where my dad had originally learned to sail himself um, many years after he had enjoying beautiful sailing around Brownsea Island and up and down the coast there in Bournemouth and Pool. It was, it was delightful. And then I moved back to New Zealand after being in Europe for a number of years um, and didn't do a lot of sailing. I lived in Wellington, as I said, and it was not particularly great weather um, and I didn't want to get cold. And um, I moved when I moved to Australia, I got working with that director who used to work at Darchies as well, and he took sailing one afternoon. And I went, oh, wouldn't mind getting back into sailing. And he jumped on that because they always wanted crew. And so I went off down to go sailing. And the funny thing was that day when I went down, I thought, oh, my goodness, how long has it been since I was sailing? And I figured out that it had been 20 years since I'd actually wow. been on a boat. And um, so I got there and I said to them, look, you know, I said I did sailing. Um, I really can't remember any of it. So just treat me like a newbie. Um, and that was about seven, eight years ago. And I've just been sailing every week since. I love it. Wow. And, and does your family go with you? Uh Sometimes, I sometimes drag my husband out. He's good ballast. He's six, just over six foot and a big guy, so they like him to move around the boat. Uh, my, my teenage daughter's 18, and any time spent with mum is just boring at the stage. So, um, so she's only been out a couple of times, and I think that was more to impress her boyfriend than anything else. Um, but now I've got some great friends and, and people I spend time with on the boat, and uh, they've sort of become a family, really, Trina. It's funny like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you spend so much time on a boat with people, they do become your family. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So do you guys have like a sailing club or anything like that? 
We do. It's called the Southport Yacht Club. It's been around for many, many years. It's one of the oldest clubs in Australia. Um, and every year they have big, a big regatta called Sail in Paradise. Um, so you'll have to come out for that one, Trina. It's um, three, four days of, of race sailing out off the coast here. And, uh, yeah, awesome. We get all of the, the big boats come up that have done the Sydney to Hobart race. And, yeah, it's a great time. We just have about, I think there's normally somewhere between 100 and 150 yachts involved in that regatta, which is brilliant. Wow. Yes, um, my list is growing of all the things that I want to do. <laughs> and since I have so many friends there now, I'm going to contact everybody Absolutely. and say, hey, I'm here. For sure. <laughs> so, Laura, we're going to go into our question portion of the show. Cool. Okay. So, question number one, who or what motivates you? Um. Oh, my goodness. I think... The motivation that I have doesn't come from a particular person. I've got some awesome people that I follow and read and inspire me. But what motivates me most is waking up every morning, being so grateful for the life that I have. I always think of 10 things that I'm grateful for before I get out of bed of the morning. And that really motivates me that no matter where you are in your life and what you're doing, you're here. I'm still here. I'm still able and capable of doing amazing things. So I think just life in itself motivates me. Mm. What demotivates you? Uh, demotivates me. I'm a people person. I'm a real extrovert. I think I can spend a little bit of time on my own, but I would slowly go insane. Um, and I think being around exciting, positive people is awesome. So the opposite is true. If I'm around negative people or if I am in a situation where I can't talk to somebody, I'll eventually just slowly curl, curl up in a ball and cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Um, goodness me, these are good questions. I think maybe it was the most important time I can think of that that happened was when I was about eight or nine years old and my teacher, my English teacher said to me that I had word blindness and I would never be able to read or write the same way that the other kids in the class did. And that stuck with me for a long time. That sounds like a horrible thing for someone to say, but that teacher knew me so well. And I've still got the report card from that year. Um, of course, word blindness was dyslexia hmm. and Anything that he was saying to me, he knew that if he said, Lauren, you can't do this, I would be falling over myself to prove him wrong. So he knew negative psychology works really well on me. And he encouraged me to, to read books. I threw myself into books. I was reading 10 to 12 books a month. Um, yes, I was learning how to spell in my own way, um, which is what has really, Trina, it's led me to neurobranding and understanding how the brain works. And if I hadn't had that happen, I might never have really thrown myself into understanding neurobranding. So it's worked out really well. Wow. What is your fear? My biggest fear. My biggest fear probably is the same as the other thing that demotivates me, being alone. I don't know if I could do a desert island on my own or something like that. I, if I go out sailing and we get shipwrecked, I don't know what I'd do. Um, you know, I think not being able to impact another person would be really hard. Okay. Is there a time when you wished 
you had done something that you didn't. Now, there's not many, Trina, and people who know me will know this. If I get offered the chance to jump out of an aeroplane or sail to France or whatever, I've said yes. Um, Times I said no. I guess there was a crossroads at one stage where I had the opportunity to either work for Saatchi and Saatchi's, which is a world-leading advertising agency, and I was contracted and I was offered another contract to go and work there and for longer. And at the same time, Peter Jackson was starting to film The Lord of the Rings in Wellington. And he'd built, they'd built Weta Workshop and they'd started to really get going and what they were doing. And they were filming and starting to film, you know, prep shots and, and finding locations. And I had an opportunity because I knew a couple of people who'd gone to work there to just go and knock on the door and say, hey, I'd really love to be part of this. And I didn't do it. I chose to stick with the advertising agency. So I do regret that a little bit. It would have been quite interesting to work on The Lord of the Rings and to be part of that. It was a massive time in Wellington mm. with so much going on. Um, but instead I chose to work at the advertising agency. But the regret's not too much because out of that I met my husband, what? which is lovely. I met him at Saatchi's and, and we've been together now for coming up to 15 years. So it's lovely. Wow. Okay, here's the opposite. Is there a time when you wish you had not done something? Oh, that is a good one. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think this has got to do with some business partnerships that we got into. And I just wish I'd done a little bit more research into the type of person it was that we were getting into business with. Um, I think I'm a little bit more wary now, a little bit more open-minded about the importance of if you go into any sort of partnership with anybody, be it business or life or anything really maybe just even collaborate on an event or or anything like that really find out what the person's like and figure out whether you can forgive their foibles and the parts of their personality that you perhaps don't like or whether that's going to eventually get to a point where you just can't stand them anymore um and how trustworthy and honest they are so we yeah we got into some partnerships and I do regret that we didn't you know look into them a little bit more before we did that Okay. What is your definition of success? My definition of success is living a stress-free life of abundance. Yeah, you are surrounded by people that just love what you do and they fuel you and they give you the support and the spiritual nourishment and the positivity that you need and you can give them the same thing back in equal doses. I think it's far more important we get to the end of our lives and we have affected people positively and we have amazing people in our lives than the things that we might purchase or even the places we might go. Um, those connections with people are so important. How do you recharge? Uh, recharge. I don't know whether I ever get out of charge, to be honest with you. <laughs> Everyone calls me a pocket rocket. Eventually, after a few days, I do tend to sleep. I sleep my recharge. The other night, I managed to get nine hours straight sleep, which was lovely. Um, so every now and then I will just go, right, it's 7.30 at night. I'm going to bed, and I won't sleep until 7.30 tomorrow morning, um, and I'll have hours in. Um, I think, yeah, recharging, I love bed. If I can get some more sleep, that'd be awesome. Wow, yeah, because I don't know. I, I think if I get five, I'm doing good. 
Absolutely. What are you awesome at? Um, in case if I hasn't already guessed the show, I'm awesome at speaking. I just, it's, I've never had a fear of public speaking. People say I can speak underwater with a mouthful of marbles. Um, I tend to engage and entertain people. Um, I probably swear a little bit too much when I present, but um, I just am a natural speaker. If you said to me this very minute, you need to go and present this to a thousand people in a stadium or whatever it is, I'd be happy to. No fear whatsoever. I just, I love it. I love sharing and inspiring and motivating people. But more importantly, I love giving them, even if it's just one action step that they can go, wow, that's awesome. I'm going to do that. And it affects them. And they do it and they implement it and they see something happen. Um, Yeah, I'm totally motivated by that. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? Um, I think the legacy I've always talked about leaving for people, and it's funny, Trina, because you know this, when you're writing your book, you wonder, you know, is this going to be my legacy? Is this going to be what I leave when I shuffle off this mortal coil? Um, My legacy would, I'd like to be a sense of direction for people. Um, I talk a lot about how when I grew up in the living in the bush in New Zealand um, and we used to go and rescue people who'd been lost and all sorts of things. And we used maps and compasses back in those days, um, did a lot of orienteering and so on. I love the map and compass, but didn't like the running part quite as much. But um, I really, that stuck with me. And the more I look at my personal brand now, there's so much about just getting people in the oriented, in the right direction, making some choices, deciding this is what they want to do, and they just go. And they grow as a person and they, they just do extraordinary things. So, yes, my legacy I'd like to leave, I think, Trina, is a sense of direction and purpose. Mm. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Uh, My motivational takeaway for today, based on what we've talked about, is to follow Nike's example and just do it. Um, Get over the imposter syndrome. Get over the what I call the itty-bitty shitty committee inside your own head you know, the the need to be perfect, all those sorts of things. Just get over that and go do it. If you've got a burning passion or desire or even just uh, maybe I could do this, it doesn't even need to be a fire inside you. It just needs to be something that's telling you I should be sharing this with the world. Just go and do it. Don't let anything hold you back because we're supposed to make mistakes and fail and not do well and that's the only way we learn. It's the only way we find success. Find some people, grow your own tribe, but do it. Get out there. The world absolutely deserves the skills and talents that you have, and you deserve to be out there and to be well-known for what you do so beautifully well. Mm. How can the listeners connect with you? Uh, they can search me on the internet. I'm all over Google. Um, my name's Lauren Clement, um, which sounds very French, but it's not. Um, laurenclement.com has got everything about me my book is called Selling You and it's on Amazon and if you wanted to jump on Facebook we have an awesome group it's called the Rocket Launch Your Business Facebook group Um, and it's a couple of thousand people in there from all over the world all entrepreneurs helping each other out and I'm in there on a weekly basis um, sharing tips and tools and training so that's called the Rocket Launch Your Business um, Facebook group so go and find that one 
Oh, and we didn't talk about it. So what is your book about? Ah, so my book is called Selling You. Um, and it's um, a bestseller and it is a personal branding practical guidebook. So it takes you through three particular steps. Um, it is about know me, like me, trust me. So understanding your personal brand and, and packaging everything into one clear defined brand and then understanding your audience and how you're going to connect with them and who the people are that you're going to work with that you love working with. And then the last part of it is that respect side of things, that growing that trust currency, you know, nailing your niche, getting some word of mouth marketing and just really creating a platform that you can earn a great income from. Wow. Lauren, I thank you for um, taking time out to be here with me today. I'm glad I finally had a chance to connect with you. It's been absolutely awesome, Trina. And I'm looking forward to sailing with you at some stage. I'm excited because I'm looking forward to being there and and sailing with you because these nice yachts that you have that you're racing, I want to be on. (laughs) (laughs) one of them is called cyclone which is actually normally on that boat it is a bit of a cyclone um and it was one of the first carbon fiber boats here in australia um and there's a lot that goes on so it's a lot of fun so yes awesome awesome place the nicest thing trainer about sailing here and you'd get the same i suppose if you were sailing anywhere in the pacific um you know off la or of San Francisco maybe is a bit colder but the water's warm here Trina Mm -hmm. the water temperature on the Gold Coast doesn't get down below about 22 degrees all year round Mm. so that's Celsius I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit is that 60 something yes yeah so it's when the waves come over you on the boat they're actually warm it's quite nice yeah California the water's cold yeah absolutely California type water yeah it's cold but well thank you and we're definitely going to stay in touch Brilliant. Can't wait. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.